The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This, this is Mick Shots, streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. After a brief one-week hiatus, we are back inside the SWBC podcast studio here at the beautiful Star in Frisco. It's a new month. It's draft month here at the Star in Frisco. Bill Jones, yes, finally, we get to hear our fight song. (laughs) Yes, finally. It's been since before the San Francisco game. We finally get to hear it again. Does that mean the Cowboys have won the offseason already? (laughs) No, it's a fight song for the draft. Oh, okay. There you go. All right. Haven't won the offseason just yet. But here I am, Bill Jones, and here he is, Mickey Spagnola. And where is he? Everson Walls. What a place to get stuck in. Vegas? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Right? We, we get a text overnight. And you were probably fast asleep. I was No, just... I was still. <laughs> we get a text from Everson that his flight's been canceled, and so he couldn't make it back in time oh, today. I should have tried to pull that. Uh, I... You did last week. I got a text overnight, Sunday night last week. Oh, forgot I'm to go- tell you. I'm going out of town on vacation, and it's, a, it's the bearded uh, Mickey Spagnola. Yes. He hasn't shaved in at least a week. At least it might be a little bit more because there's no sense – Shaving when you're on your way to go skiing on right? the ski slopes. Yeah, it you, was it was great. And you know what? The you best... still have some of the snow left in your beard. Yeah, there. right. <laughs> That's the problem with the beard. It's got too many colors, right? <laughs> and the other problem is, for some reason, everything else is salt and pepper, <laughs> and the mustache comes black. <laughs> it looks really weird. So I would imagine by next time you see me, this will be gone. So you have to color your mustache. Yeah. White. Usually That's people what color I mean. it black. I, yeah, you right? got you got to sprinkle some salt in there. It looks like some alternate movie star type thing, if you know what I mean, right? All right. So but it was great. Yep. Um, and I wanted to get this out of the way right away and say something about how far women's basketball has come. Mm -hmm. Number one, there was 19,000 people at the AAC for the championship game. Number two, I thought, since LSU made it to the finals, I said, you know what, I'll just go. I'll walk up, buy a ticket, right? None of that? That wasn't going to (laughs) happen. And then I started looking online and that wasn't going to happen. And I said, well, we'll get a scalp ticket because at some point, you know, when the teams lose, they leave uh-huh. and try to sell their tickets. So these guys are coming up, you know, uh, you need a ticket? Yeah. How much? $500 wow. to go to a women's championship basketball game. <laughs> and, and, and then there's a guy out there trying to convince these people that he can get them in it's going to be standing room only for the first half, and then he will get you a seat the second half. Okay. And I'm sitting there going, okay, so how much is that going to cost? Well, that was going to be about three or $400. Wow. And you wouldn't have a seat. And the, so he was talking to these young ladies. So they also had a line. How about this? 
they get a line by the box office because at the last minute tickets come available. Now tell me how those tickets come available. I don't know. How do they? It sounds like a nefarious thing that all of a sudden tickets start showing up right at tip-off, right? Yeah. Uh, and so this guy's t telling these girls, and I go, there's no standing room in this place. Mm -hmm. uh, and Except I think there in might, the concourse. There might be one spot behind, you know, where the little fences are, that one section in the lower level at the top? But there's no place to stand to watch unless mm -hmm. you're going to stand in the co in the concourse or in the entranceway into the stadium, right? Finally, the police showed up and chased these guys off, right? They were getting desperate. Wow. But they weren't desperate enough to lower their price, right? Wow. And I was like, okay, buddy, go eat it, right? Wow. But this is women's basketball. Yep. Now, I remember when it wasn't even – I covered games <laughs> when it wasn't even an NCAA-sanctioned uh, sport. Right, AIAW. Yes. Mm -hmm. In fact, Kim Mulkey, her first national championship that she won as a player at, at, at La Tech, Tech it was uh, yeah. still the uh, whatever it stands for, AIAW. And then the, the one of the other teams that was always good was in Texas. Uh, was it Stephen F. Austin was good. Stephen F. Austin and the oh at uh, Wayland Baptist. Wayland Baptist in Plainview, yeah. Texas. Yeah. yeah, the Flying Queens. And I'm saying. Now we've come a long way just to get in when 19,000 were there. And then we see a young lady score 40 points in consecutive playoff games. She's an unbelievable player. She, is, she should have been the Chuck Holly of the tournament. <laughs> the, she uh, lost. Losing team and MVP, yeah. That was, she was un, incredible. Yeah, yeah. She has Steph, and we're talking about Caitlin Clark from Iowa. She has Steph Curry range on her shot. She, you know, and I've watched her for several games now, even going back to the regional tournament. And she you know, she reminds me she's like the quarterback of the team. Her passes are yes. incredible. Yes, she, she is a basketball savant, and she but she reminds me the game has slowed down so much for her. Mm -hmm. She looks like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady running that offense, and she doesn't break a sweat. <laughs> and she just has a calmness about her. And now she will turn it over. She, yeah. There are eight or nine turnovers that she has in a game because of the special passes that she is making, and her teammates just aren't ready for it. Uh, but spectacular uh, player, and so, she's got another year at Iowa, too. Two more things, and then we'll get on to football. The one three she hit in the semifinal game, her foot was on the edge of the center court logo. logo. Yeah. I was like, that's un not uncommon. It says, it says final four, and her foot was almost on the R. Mm -hmm. Not uncommon for her. And you talk about how far the women's game has come. Uh, I mean, how about the LSU team yesterday they and the shots they were making? They scored 102 yeah. points yep, that's right. in the championship yep. game. Yep. I was sitting there going, when the thing was getting tight, I'm going, they're going to have to score 100 points to win because I, I finally gave up. I, I, and I came back home and you know watched it on my phone while I was driving and you were really into this I, I wanted to go <laughs> I was too I, I I set aside a couple of hours yesterday afternoon that I'm not taking any phone calls I'm watching this yes. game and it was compelling and now you needed to wear your officiating cap in here today well that was my next point Worst. they ruined the yes, game that's right 19,000 people went to the game to see Caitlin Clark and Angela Reese. Angel Reese. Angel yeah. Reese. I said Angela. And they got in foul trouble immediately. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? And the post for Iowa, too. Yes. That 
I, it, it, and I read a story. No, don't get, don't get me wrong on any of this. But I always think when you get to the championship game, you get the best officials. Mm. There was a story in Sunday's paper about how this is the first time in the women's championship game that all three officials were going to be female. I think they need to rethink it. Hmm. This is basketball. They were calling the game like there was a bunch of girls out there playing. These girls are good. They're aggressive. They're physical. All these touch fouls, and then the technical foul when she just threw the ball. You know not what she meanly. did. You know what she did on that. I talk about her being a basketball savant. She knows there's no there's no official in the vicinity of where right. she was. She was about to huddle up with her team before a free throw, and she tosses the ball behind her to the spot where the official, official was going to be. The official is going to be lined up right. for the free throw. Right, exactly. <laughs> and they called it. It wasn't a, a toss not, of disrespect, and not the fact that it's a technical. It was her fourth foul. Yeah, and, and, and so yeah, the technical carries with it a personal foul, and they gave her a fourth foul. You and as an official, you have to have. Um, even if, and they've given them a warning before, delay a game warning uh, a few minutes earlier. And so that's why in her statement, that's why she rang her up with a technical. But you have to have more awareness of that. I, I mean, mean understand that. what you're calling. Right. right? In, in the entirety of the game, you have to have more awareness. I mean, of that, the, those two girls had of the impact. Your the calls people are you came to watch had two fouls before the quarter was over. Mm-hmm. First quarter. What are you doing? Yeah. It's just because in the first half of the game, Angel Reese was sitting on the bench for the yes. majority of the first half, and they were all like yeah. little. I mean, it was both ways. It was it yeah. was incompetence. I don't both know ways. how. I don't know how those head coaches didn't get a technical fight. Well, Bulky well, <laughs> sure deserved. She tried hard. <laughs> there was there was one play that went viral. The video went viral. It shows the official in front of the LSU bench having to push Mulkey. Mulkey makes contact with her with ranting, and she has to push her away to make the call on the court or whatever to do her job. Unbelievable! <laughs> but I tell but that you doesn't what, get a technical. What a scene! What a scene! People were all over that place, uh, and and by the way, if you want to see how far, I think this relates not just to women's basketball, but sports in general, how far things have come in 30 years. Yes. Like Caitlin Clark, uh, that the, the last time a player scored over 40 points in a championship in the Final Four was Cheryl Swoops, Swoops, Texas Tech, and that was 30 years ago in 1993. And there's a video on YouTube. You can go back and watch the entirety of that game if you wish. But you, all you have to do is watch about 30 seconds of it, mm-hmm. and you see the players on the court compare that to what we have today and the strength and conditioning programs, uh, the skills training that all of these athletes are getting in all sports at all levels is just unbelievable. The athletes that are on the court or on a football field now compared to what they were 30 years ago. And and. The girl that should have gotten the MVP was Alexis Morris. Not only yeah, yeah. did she save the day scoring, like somebody can hit 12 to 15-foot jump shots, right? Yeah. Which are the mid-range jumper. No, yeah. one, no yeah. one does that anymore. Yeah. And the fact that 
she held Caitlin Clark to 30. Now, that may not sound like a great deal, but she held her to 30 yeah. points yeah. and got two fouls on her for pushing off with her elbow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, it was it was a neat day. I wish I could have got in, but I, I, I tried. I couldn't make it. $500, yeah. it was like, nah, I can't do that. I can't uh, wait to see what the TV ratings are on it. And meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile, you got a men's game tonight uh, that, um, or a men's Final Four that had so many long shots, mo- most long shots making it in history as far as no top three seeds that uh, made it to the Final Four. I just heard on the radio <clears throat> the, the call for San Diego State when the guy made the basket. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, he's something like, they won, they won, they won. And tell you what. FAU is not going to the championship game. San Diego State is. <laughs> what a great, great uh, four days for state of Texas. Yep. Two games here and or three here and three in Houston. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right, we got to probably get to the Cowboys. You don't. You didn't go to the Taylor Swift concert. I did not, but it sounds like I should have. <laughs> All right, so what in the world did you put on your legal pad on your ski trip? Oh, this trip? is like all leftover stuff. <laughs> I tried to keep up. I mean, yeah. not not too much happened last week, right? Yeah. Um, Cowboys re-signed Jonathan Hankins to yep. a one-year deal, the veteran exception. They lost Carlos Watkins to Arizona on a one-year deal, so that tells me the Cowboys didn't try real hard to – but Maybe. yeah, and, and the one year deal on um Hankins, I mean it's one point three and then as far as the salary cap, it's the veteran basically yeah. one it's uh cap one point oh nine million. Yeah, so it's, it's that, a veteran it's that, exception. Yeah. So, so and, and that's the market out there. Right. I, you're seeing really over the course of a two week period here, since the first wave of free agency when the big money was being spent. These veteran players, because the market is so flooded, they have had to accept one-year deals yeah. across the board. And just hoping that yeah. they play well enough. That, yeah. okay. They to make good one-year deals, hoping that you get in that upper echelon right. when you hit free agency again next year. And then I get a two-year deal. That's maybe. right. But, That's... I mean, think about it, what J. Ron Kirst did, right? And he parlayed his uh, one-year deal right. into a two-year deal. But now he's you know goes into his last year of his contract, uh, and you're just hoping that somebody will, um, you know, bite on you later. I mean, the same thing with uh, Ronald Jones when they signed him, right? It was a one one yeah, year yep, deal, it's one year, and, and he's been in the league what four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, Dante Fowler probably thought, okay, I did enough to get a multi year deal. No, he's resigned for one year. Uh, those six sacks, so. And then the Cowboys nibbled with uh, Chuma, Hidoga, uh, and Enrico Dottle, who was on IR. So that was, you know, kind of inedible, inevitable. So, yeah. Um, but I think from the Cowboys' standpoint, getting Dante Fowler back, that was six sacks on on the team that ended up what third in 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 the league in sacks. Uh, the beauty of it is with the one year signings is it has no impact whatsoever on what you do in the draft. Right. And um, No, it, it impacts it because now you don't have to reach. No, that's, that's the true. In, that's no, the no, impact. That's what I mean. Yeah. It, it, 
it allows you to be true to your board and true to whatever position. The Cowboys can go any number of positions, uh, and I'm talking every round of the draft. And, in, and, and what what is it's really shown you, even going back to the COVID year, where you have and with the new rules as far as being able to have extra players on a practice squad and so forth, you can find quality players in who are veterans on the street who can impact your team more right now than maybe even a fourth-round draft pick can or a third-round draft pick. Take Jalen Tolbert last year, a guy who needed time to develop, uh, and we'll see where he goes this year. But you can be true to drafting, quote-unquote, best player available in the draft because – you you can find players. There right. are players to be had all over the place. In, in uh, and you covered yourself at almost every position you needed to cover yourself. Um, you you know it, if you get to the twenty sixth pick in the first round and you needed a wide receiver, well why not? Because the the, the trades you made those guys are in short term deals, right? Uh, you need a cornerback? Okay, if that's that's what's there. You need a running back? Okay, no problem there. Uh, you can do that. Um, you know, and so, yeah, they, they, they don't have to reach. You don't have to reach for a linebacker. You don't have to reach for a safety. Uh, I mean, the, the, really, the only thing that they didn't uh, end up with a quality veteran would have been tight end. But again, you had two young guys on the move, right? So, but you're kind of covered there, so you don't have to. You don't. I always go back to this. In 1994, um, it was the first year of basically the salary cap in free agency, and the assistant coaches were just harping and harping. We need a defensive end. We need a defensive end, and there really wasn't any defensive ends there. And they take a shot at the defensive end. Um, Chante Carver. Carver, and he wasn't a first-round pick, mm-hmm. but they said we got a need, and I think you know they should have learned their lesson when you do something like that. Cowboys have done that more recently trouble. too. Yeah, so you got to watch yourself. Taco Charlton. Yeah, same thing, right? Um, but at least he was. Was he a set? first round? He was first round, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you just. But they've covered themselves, so they should not have to go in the draft and say, we absolutely need this. And that was the beauty of this offseason, that everybody right from the start, oh, you know, nobody's doing any work. Everybody's on spring break at the star. And slowly but surely, day two, three, and on, they did what they needed to do. All right. When we come back here on Mixed Shots, I want to ask you about the running back situation and where it lies right now. Mix Shots continues in just a moment. The Medal of Honor is our country's highest military award for valor in combat. More than 40 million individuals have served in the armed forces since the Civil War. Fewer than 4,000 have received the Medal of Honor. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a place to preserve these legacies and inspire America. It's being built right next door to the Dallas Cowboys in Texas. Help us honor our country's greatest heroes. Learn more and get involved at mohmuseum.org. We paid how much for those lessons? Shh, she's doing great. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, Can you pass me a Pepsi Zero Sugar? (sighs) Great job, honey. Oh. Oh, look at that. That's not the end. No way. Now it's time for the encore. 
You know what? You're right. Five times? Not enough times. For everyone who traded in rock concerts for their kids' recitals, you've compromised enough. Pepsi Zero Sugar. That's what I like. <sighs> Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. You hear that? I'm a torrential downpour. Torrential? What's that even mean? It means you can't see out of your windshield. And if you have the wrong car insurance, you might have to make it rain to fix your bumper. So switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Bar and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. What do you call a group of grown men and women with their faces painted silver and blue who get together every week to share a three-hour-long ritual of jumping, sinking, and toasting Miller Lite in 10-gallon hats while yelling, how about them cowboys? You call it Miller Time in Dallas. Here's to the Cowboys. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cape Post Roofing and Waterproofing, proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys. From corporate homes to your home, have your roof checked by choice, not by chance. Call now, 214-225-4860. That's capepostcompany.com. And after the weather on Sunday, I bet people are having their roofs checked. Oh, did you have hail at your place? We did not. We I didn't got have lucky. rain, much less hail. We were in. I saw the radar, and we were right between all the red and yellow uh-huh. on both sides. And then where it was over us, it was just a little bit green. I'm going. Oh, thank God. Yeah. All right, um, we got to get out of here at 11:45 today oh, because we okay. got media mash coming up at noon. And so let's get right to it here. Um, running back situation for the Cowboys. Here we are. We're basically at the halfway point between the start of free agency and the NFL draft. Okay, so the draft now 24 days away, and free agency started what three weeks ago today. Uh, when the negotiating period opened, Zeke has been out there for. Two over two weeks now, mm-hmm. and uh, hasn't found a new NFL home yet. My question to you about Tony Pollard: What is the ideal situation with Pollard with the Cowboys as far as how he is used this season? In my opinion, and 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 along with that. What is the best type back, assuming B. John Robinson is not there at 26 when the Cowboys draft? What is the best type back to pair with Tony Pollard? Somebody like B. John Robinson. (laughs) Um, I I can't imagine for the first time in his career, meeting at Memphis and here, that he's going to be a guy they're going to lean on for 25 touches a game. For 17 weeks, I think his role is probably not that much different than last year. Um, the touches he was getting, the big plays, 
But are you going to rely on him uh, for the seven touchdowns Ezekiel Elliott scored from the one-yard line? Because they didn't ask him to do that. They asked Zeke, right? Uh, so I think his role um, should remain the same. And sometimes when you end up getting, like in baseball, you get more at-bats. Uh, you're a 250-at-bat second baseman and you hit 280, and then all of a sudden they want to give you 450-at-bats and you hit 220. So to me, his role should be the same. And the running back they're looking for, they covered themselves somewhat with uh, Ronald Jones. Uh, but in the draft, if one's available, like a Bijan Robinson that can play like he does and can carry a heavier load, then I think they should grab one. Somebody that can run the ball tough, can get to the outside, can catch the ball, uh, and then you rely on Pollard for your big f splash place. Plays. What do you think? I th found it very interesting what Stephen Jones said at the uh, owners' meetings last week when asked about Zeke, and uh, he uh, said a lot of the things you would expect him to say about not offering him and not right. disrespecting him with a low ball offer or whatever. But uh, basically leaving the door open that um, Zeke could possibly return to the Cowboys. If somebody would have, uh, and I know they did, but in case they didn't, read my column on Zeke before Steven said that, I pointed out, number one, they didn't want to dishonor him with a low ball offer. They just didn't think that was the right thing to do to maybe bring that 10.9 to, I don't know, what do you think? They would have offered maybe a base salary of three, four million, something like that. Well, that's the market out there, basically. Right. For, for the top running backs out there, really. And they thought that would have been disrespectful. Mm -hmm. So let him go and see what he can do. But I was told that you get through the draft, and if he's still out there, you know, don't discount him coming back. And that's basically what Stephen Jones said uh, at the owners' meeting. And I wouldn't dismiss that one bit um, because I think he was second or third in the league on third and short, picking up first downs. And if you look at what he did with the seven of his 12 touchdowns from the one-yard line, who's going to get those 12 touchdowns for you, by the way? Well, uh, very similarly, Jamal Williams for Detroit. Mm -hmm. He had, I think, 18 touchdowns this past year for the Lions. He got signed by the Saints, and it was a announced as a three-year, $12 million deal, $8 million guaranteed. So in that same range of 3 to $4 million a year yeah. as for a player about the same age, too, as Zeke. So I, I certainly wouldn't dismiss that, and it'll be interesting to see. Now, they just gave away, I understand, 21. You gave who? The Cowboys did. Gave away his number. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, right. yeah. That, I thought you were talking money no, no, still. No, 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 <laughs> 21. No. Gilmore has Gilmore. 21. Yeah. But he did tweet out he would like 15. So, yeah. I think that's available, isn't it? Uh, Who's got Greer? 15? Greer? Will Greer have 15? Yeah, I think that's right. That's correct. Um, so, 
Yeah, why but not? But to my, the point of my initial question, what type back would you pair with Tony Pollard if you don't have an elite first round, you know, Bijan Robinson available right. to you in the draft? But there's backs like that there, in the second, third round, yeah, right? Yeah. That you wouldn't mind handing the ball to? The other part of it is, even from a salary standpoint, is as it stands now, what's the salary cap hit not having Zeke on the team? It's still um, for this five point eight million this year, six point one million next year. So you're still paying for them, or right. you're accounting without for without without, without actually giving them money. That's right. Right. So what is a next another two million dollar hit this yeah. year where you're actually getting a player for that money? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and the other thing, don't dismiss his presence in that locker room too which has been building over these last two years, right? You need somebody like that. A little bit goofy, but still guys respect what he has done, what he can do. I mean, all you got to do is listen to what the quarterback said, right? Um, and I know they're friends and all that, but aside of and he, that. He's a team guy. Yes, he'll do anything he's, you ask yeah, he's him He's not a me-me guy. Right. And you know, now, people would say, well, his contract, he, he, he's trying to get in that second contract. He was getting as much money, and it was smart of him to get as much money as he could. Well, But now he's at a different point in his career. Right. And do you want to leave Dallas? And the marketing aspect of playing for the Cowboys versus another team, that's another factor that should weigh into it from his perspective, I think. Here's my list of some Cowboys. Tony Dorsett. Did he finish his career with the Cowboys? No. Got traded, right? Emmett Smith, did he finish his career with the Cowboys? No. Mm -hmm. He got cut. Um, Tony Romo got cut. Danny White, they didn't pick up his option when he thought it was his option, right, Uh, after Jimmy got here. Troy Aikman, did he get cut? They didn't pick up his option, right? They, They basically let Aikman go. Uh, Rayfield Wright got released. Evanson Walls, this is why he's not here. <laughs> he got cut. Did Tex, Tom, and Gill leave on their own? Uh, not so much, right? DeMarcus Ware, he got cut. Bob Hayes, um, he ended up, um, I want to say he got cut and he went to San Diego. Eh, maybe so. I, I believe that, that, that I, I remember that. Uh, Jimmy basically got cut, right? Um, Larry Allen got released. So, um, you know, it's like it happens. Flozell, you know, Nate, he didn't get re-signed and played one year. Bob in Hayes Carolina. wound up with San Francisco. San Francisco. In I just found my game. My yeah. note. He had thirty. He had four games. Uh, he played, and, um, and nobody remembers it. Hayes got released at thirty-four. Yeah. So it's happened to some of the great players in Cowboy history. Uh, so this is not something like, oh, you know, but this is what happens. So, um, yeah, but I want a back sort of like Zeke. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if Ronald Jones can, can carry that load. But look at the, his, his, uh, his carries. Look how many carries he had. Talking Zeke? Yes. He ended up with 231 carries. 
And I want to hear about the 3.8. He had too many one-yard runs into the end zone. We talked about mm. that, right? He factored it in. But he also had a bunch of one-yard ones on third down that really mattered. He's a, uh, Zeke is an old-school running back. Right. I mean, I looked up. I don't have it in front of me right now, but seventh year in the league, Emmett Smith averaged 3.7 yards a carry. Right. And then he was able to play at a very high level for seven more years in the league. Now, he was rare. He was, he a was the outlier. That's right. right? Yeah. But, but but still, you need somebody like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, don't don't discount the fact that he could be back here. All right. Need to take another break, and we wrap up mixed shots in just a moment. <clears throat> We paid how much for those lessons? Shh, she's doing great. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, can you pass me a Pepsi Zero Sugar? <sighs> great job, honey! Oh. oh, look at that. That's not the end. No way. Now it's time for the encore. You know what? You're right. Five times? Not enough times. For everyone who traded in rock concerts for their kids' recitals, you've compromised enough. Pepsi Zero Sugar. That's what I like. <sighs> Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. You hear that? I'm a torrential downpour. Torrential? What's that even mean? It means you can't see out of your windshield. And if you have the wrong car insurance, you might have to make it rain to fix your bumper. So switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Bar and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. The Medal of Honor is our country's highest military award for valor in combat. More than 40 million individuals have served in the armed forces since the Civil War. Fewer than 4,000 have received the Medal of Honor. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a place to preserve these legacies and inspire America. It's being built right next door to the Dallas Cowboys in Texas. Help us honor our country's greatest heroes. Learn more and get involved at mohmuseum.org. The season is finally here. For months, we've been gearing up to win. Now it's time for the team that performs on any field, United Ag and Turf. With John Deere zero turns for mowing, compact tractors for loading, mini excavators for digging, Gator utility vehicles for hauling, implements for grading, hay tools for baling, United Ag and Turf for winning. The official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com for more. Back, back to mixed shots. For one night only, music legends Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks will perform at AT&T Stadium on Saturday, April 8th. That's 2023, by the way, so that means it's this Saturday. Is that correct? That is correct. Tickets are now on sale at SeatGeek.com, the official ticketing provider of AT&T Stadium. And I'm proud to say that I've seen both of those in concert. What year? Billy Joel early, because I think like I might have nineteen seventy something. Yeah, I might have been still in college, <laughs> oh, and I've seen nineteen sixty something. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, right. <laughs> you had the seventies, right? And Stevie Stevie Nicks um, performing on her own and with Fleetwood Mac. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I saw her at 
at a concert in Memphis. So what about this week? Can will you will you do yeah, what I'm, you did I'm, at the I'm women's gonna, basketball game? I'm going to go and look for a walk for a scalp <laughs> ticket. <laughs> oh man! All right, uh, what the Cowboys have done so far in free agency? We've talked about uh, where they sit here, 24 days away from the draft. That Dallas day here on Friday. What an advantage that is for this team to be able, when you've got the talent that is produced in a DFW plus the colleges here, uh, to be able to bring those people in for Dallas Day, that's a, a big advantage for this team. Who caught your eye that uh, they brought in? Well, there's there's a number that um, that have caught my eye in the area that may not have been here on, oh. uh, in the building on Dallas Day, but uh, might be paying a visit at some point. I like uh, a, a, one of their vis- the national visits that they have available. Well, yeah, national visits. And, and you've got some local guys who would qualify for other teams as being le- legit, mm-hmm. you know, first or second day. Uh, draft picks that you know you, you go back to 2019 and we had uh, you know CBS 11 has the Landry Award ceremony every year and the final I went back and looked at the finalist in 2019 coming out of high school here you had Jackson Smith and Jigba from Rockwall who is a first round prospect from Ohio State you had Marvin Mims from Lone Star High School here in Frisco, uh, who played at Oklahoma, who's probably he's probably maybe second round, second or third round draft pick, who lit it up at the combine. Uh, one of the top linebackers in this draft, Drew Sanders, uh, from Denton Ryan, who uh, went to Alabama and then transferred to Arkansas. Those three, th- those three were three of the five finalists for the Landry Award oh, wow. that year. Uh, a fourth was Chandler Morris who's going to be the starting quarterback at TCU this year. He was the starting quarterback at the beginning of last year before Max Duggan. He got hurt, and Max Duggan became a Heisman finalist. Didn't give it back. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's, it's just an example of the type um, you know, prospects that come out of DFW. So there's, there's three local guys right there that should be on the Cowboys' radar. A couple of wide receivers and a linebacker. I like the wide receiver. At Ohio State. Yes, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. He just needed to stay healthy. Right. And he, and he wasn't healthy this past year. But he's uh, the Cowboys should feel fortunate if he's still available at 26. I think he's going much earlier than that. I mean, don't you think he – I read where somebody was writing about him and they – you know, the analysis was that he's just a slot receiver. I thought he played outside. He can do whatever. He can do anything, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, now, the thing is, he has played a lot in the slot, and he's got the athletic ability to – but he's not a smallish, you know, slot receiver. Yeah. Uh, he can – but, yeah. Because what was his best year? Was it second year? Yeah. Go watch the Rose Bowl. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Single-handedly, right? Uh-huh. It's, it, the, the Rose Bowl was his – uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, OU, Texas game. Right. It, it, you know, when, when C.D. came out, you know, all you had to do is go watch the Texas game. Well, with Jackson, go watch the Rose Bowl. Um, um, anyway, that's yeah. – that, um, uh, oh, the, the other thing I was going to mention with TCU – um, you know, and the, and the local colleges qualify as guys that they can bring in for Dallas Day. Quentin Johnston, the wide receiver from TCU, big wide receiver, Calvin Johnson like, uh, is a first round prospect too. And um, boy, I like his size. Yeah, yeah, he's hard to cover. That's one of those 
just throw it up to Alvin, right? Uh, yeah, you there you go. Throw it up to that guy. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and so, you know, wide receiver, we talked about it. Running back, we talked about it. Tight end. SMU's got a wide receiver, Rashi Rice, out of Richland High School here, who is a really good prospect. So, so. you name the position. I'll tell you why they need it. You know, even quarterback down, down the line. Why not? Mm-hmm. Fifth, sixth round, if somebody catches your eye. Jerry has said. Could be Dugan. Uh, Duggan. Duggan, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Dugan, Duggan. Jerry has said uh, fairly recently that, you know, it may have been when Brock Purdy was doing his thing with San Francisco. You know, it's um, maybe we should draft a quarterback every year. Oh, a change. Something like that. Yeah. Since they went all the way. Well, they never needed a quarterback, and they were always relying on veteran guys to be the backup, right? Until you run out of veteran guys to mm-hmm. be your backup, then you go, well, let's take Dak Prescott. Well, and the other part of it is, you know, there was a time where quarterbacks weren't getting hurt. Uh, right. But this past year, there's a number of teams. I bet half the teams in the league at some point had to go to a backup quarterback this year. And we had a longer season. And, you know, just. And, and here's the other thing even on the down the line quarterbacks, they started in college. You know, quarterbacks aren't sitting behind somebody and saying, okay, I'll wait my turn. They'll go find some place to play. And I think these guys are much more prepared now for to play in the NFL than it was 10, 15 years ago. Kind of getting back sure. to where we started, how far uh, women's, women's basketball, basketball has, has come, come. Yeah. How, how far has quarterback? Think about these quarterbacks and how much football they play. There is now an off-season program around the country, which is called 7-on-7, seven seven, where they have a football in their hands doing something I'm glad you said 7-on-7 seven seven because I had 7-Eleven on my mind. Yeah, they get to play 7-Eleven. But no, even in high school, right, they're, they're just more prepared. Now, if you stay in college long enough, right? You know these, you know, two one and done. One, well, not okay. they're not one and done in in, in football. But they're but one one and done starting anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like you got Richardson the, from Florida. You got to play. That one scares me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got all the athletic ability in the world, right? But he hasn't played that much football. Do you think that helped Troy Aikman as much football as he played in his college career? There's no doubt. Tony Romo, how much football he played and then sat for three years before he got a chance? It's it's huge. Even Dak. I mean, he played. Yeah. I mean, was it four? Three full years as a starter. Three full years as a starter. Yeah. Anthony Richardson, Florida, was a starter this year, started 12 games. Prior to that, he had one start in his college career. See, that scares me. That scares me. And a 54% completion percentage this year, too. Because these quarterbacks that come out too soon, that haven't played a lot, haven't seen a lot, and now you're going to make that transition in the NFL? Okay, bet, all right. Let me ask you. There's another thing that was coming out of the owners' meetings last week uh, as far as the Cowboys' offensive tackles. Yes, and uh, Terrence Steele obviously coming off the ACL injury. Now Tyron has uh, his contract redone. Uh, what do you make of uh, what uh, Jerry said about uh, the situation at the tackle position? So I think his point was that they would look at Steele as a potential swing tackle that can play each side. I don't know that he's ready for the left side. Um because if he had a shortcoming, I think it was pass blocking, right? But what nobody 
pointed out after all that, like, oh, are they going to do this and this? What if Steele is ready to play? He's my right tackle. What if I don't have somebody that I can sink my teeth into at left guard? So what about Tyron going back to left tackle and Tyler Smith moving to left guard? What's wrong with that? Here's the deal. I mean, that was the plan until Tyron got hurt. The decision doesn't have to be made yes, until September. Exactly. And Terrence Steele is going to be in rehab from his ACL injury throughout the offseason, basically. Okay, because that, that was a December injury. So he probably didn't have the surgery till mid to late December. I mean, yeah. So his nine months are include September. September. That's right. And so when Jerry is answering the question right now, and you can also keep in mind where Terrence Steele is with his contract, he's going into his last year or whatever, and Correct. where Tyron is in his career, and you want to respect Tyron, okay. So it – and when they go out for OTAs in May, how are they lining up? Okay, who's going out with the first team? Well, Tyler Smith is going to be at left tackle. Tyron, depending on how much he does, is you can line him up at right tackle just at the like at the end of last year because you may Terrence Steele may not be ready to go game one exactly. in September. Exactly. And so you have to go into the offseason. Those are your two tackles. It's a different deal than if everybody's healthy. And then you sort things out and you see where you are injury-wise and who you've added to the team and so forth once you get into training camp and so forth. But you don't have to the, – the easy thing to say right now is this is what we've got. We've got Tyler Smith here. We've got Tyron Smith there. And Terrence Steele is your swing guy right and now. And we'll use Adoga as the left. As a, you pencil him in there and see what he can do at guard the, and see what you get in the draft. Let's remember he was so good – he only got to sign a one-year deal, and no one wanted him to be a starter, you would think, right? No one was sinking their teeth into this guy. Now, he may be good. This is Edoga? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A one-year deal. Yeah. So he's going to have to win that job. They're not going to hand it to him. I think McCarthy said that's kind of how they would probably line up, that he'll compete for that starting job. I don't know that he's got any competition there. Um Although well, he has in his career, he's appeared in 26 games with 13 starts. So he's been a part-time starter in his career. Right. Doga has in this past year, two games, one start at Atlanta. Previous year with the Jets, five games, no starts, and then in uh, 2020, which was his second year in the league with the Jets, he had 11 games and four starts. And eight got, starts his rookie year as a third-round draft pick in 2019. And you got to find out what uh, Farniak's got, right? Um, and, and and even if he's not starting, is he the guy that's the guard center backup swing guy, guy, swing yeah. guy? Um, you got to sort that one out. Now, everybody, you know, when they don't see a star at left tackle, I mean left guard, it's like, oh, we got to draft a guard in the first round. We're not going to draft a guard in the first <laughs> round. I'm going to stick with that. I don't want a guard in the first round. Just like they didn't draft a guard in the first that's round right. last year. They drafted a tackle round. that could play guard. <laughs> All right. We're out of time. Oh, no, already. Let's make sure. Okay, yep, we're out of time on this edition of Mix Shots, and we'll see if Everson gets out of Vegas and makes it home next week on the next edition of Mix Shots.
Go Cowboys. <laughs> this has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!